Good Cyber Monday, everybody. It's uh, FRS's Premier League podcast. It's way too early in the morning, but we're here and we're going to recap all the action from match day 13 in the Premier League. I'm Sebastian Noren. With me, as always, Elliot Niblock and Pauli Quistel. Man, it's early. <laughs> hey, at least we're doing a good job of seizing the rare occasion in which I'm also in the East Coast time zone. That is true. Also, I feel like Seb wakes up at like four in the morning anyway. <laughs> no. I try to go back to sleep, too, if something happens. Let's say I feed the dogs, I go back to sleep. Okay. Well... <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed that you, you know, you have a young daughter and it's the dogs and not Stella that you think of in terms right. of getting up earlier in the middle of the night. Oh, no. She's, <laughs> she's super cool. She wakes yeah. up at like yeah, around this time, eight. Wow, has a little breakfast. Boy, you're a you're a blessed father then, in many ways. Yep, her f- first tooth came in here, so we'll see if that changes things. But yeah, she's chowing down on a bottle as we speak. <laughs> so let's get into the soccer and uh, start with what happened on Saturday morning where Manchester City took a 2-1 win on the road against Burnley. Two goals by Sergio Aguero. Hard-fought win uh, for City. Yeah. <laughs> Although... Very hard. I, that's, that, that's, a, that's a nice spin for a, a disappointing, thrown-away game by Burnley, I think one could also say. I mean, you know, that goal in which two Burnley defenders just ran into each other inside the box. And it it's too bad because the volley that got Burnley their first goal in this match was just a thing of beauty. And it's a little bit of a shame that especially playing at home, they couldn't capitalize on it and at least take a point from the match. Yeah, Dean yeah, Marnie got was... the hit of his life on that one. Mm-hmm. Hit of his life, regardless, still counts. And then Burnley just kind of fell asleep on the other end twice and uh, yeah two guys ran into each other on the on the second goal uh the goalkeeper should have had the first goal i was very upset because at the last minute i convinced myself not to bet burnley plus one and a half and just bet the tie and uh, uh you're just you're looking at money that you should have had but mm-hmm. <laughs> nevertheless yeah but you also got a factor in that they had a 36 year old paul robinson in that Paul Robinson is still alive? Yes. Where, where's Tom Heaton? He's injured. Slatan injured him. <laughs> With that volley shot? Yes. Oh, yeah, he did. Well, see, look at that. See, Zlatan can't even help United when he's not. Like... <laughs> and, you know, we were, before we started. I understand, like, we need to beat our the other teams that we play, but we also need to help them beat our rivals. Yes. Although, okay, to be fair... Paul Robinson, first of all, not 36, 37. Oh, okay. Second of all, it had been 1,664 days since his last Premier League start. Wow. <laughs> That's got to be close to a record. In between starts? I, 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 how is he still even collecting a Premier League paycheck? I don't know. This is like this is like the when the players went on strike and the NFL used uh, replacement players practically. <laughs> right, like, was there no one better available? I mean, it's... 
I could see him being a you know third stringer or some somewhere. I mean, we saw Rickard Wright do that for uh, like a decade. Yeah, I just feel like I feel like if if you're down to, like he could be a third string player. I have no problem with that. Yeah. It's when you're when you're down to being forced to use that third string player, I feel like you're better off just going to your academy and saying, "Let's see what you can do." Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, good win for a city or a good three points for a city. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. The I mean, Aguero, he's there when he needs to be. Yeah, I mean, and you know that kind of intangible quality Best ability that you can is have as a ability. Coacher. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Then Hull City one-one draw against West Brom. Who had one-one in this one? Did anyone? Uh, I, I think I did. Need to double check that. I don't think anybody had the West Brom game. No, really? They, I thought I picked a draw. I think we might. Maybe. Have oh all no, you know what? I, West score, I, I missed the score line because I picked a scoreless draw in this one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Hmm. Yeah, Michael Dawson with the tying goal for Hull in the second half. There, trying to make amends for being not so good. Just one. <laughs> being Michael Dawson. <laughs> yes. I mean, hey, it's uh, at least they didn't, you know, allow too many goals, Hull. You got a point. Well, yeah, but it's it's this one's more disappointing on West Brom, the team that just trounced to Burnley last week. Yeah. And then they come back and they can't even beat Hull, who newsflash are terrible, and the only point that they'll probably get for the remainder of this year is if they have to go to Old Trafford where everybody's guaranteed to walk out with a point. <laughs> yep. Points factory, Old Trafford. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised West Brom weren't able to put this in the bag. I mean, yeah, where was Nasser Childley in this one? He came on off the bench. As you could tell, this was must-see TV and none no. of us missed it. Yeah, because we're all just like, yep, yeah. No. <laughs> Point, the end, move on. Basically. <laughs> No, I was watching West the. God, I was. I voluntarily watch them. I was watching the best game of the round, the five-four win for Swansea over Crystal Palace. I mean, it's going to be. Missed that one. one I kind of hate myself. Oh my god! It was I, an amazing game. If you're, if you don't care I, about the teams. Uh, I hate that I I switched in the second half to watch Liverpool, and mm-hmm. I regret that. That was a bad move. No, this was an amazing game. Let's get into that one. Swansea 5, Crystal Palace 4, Bob Bradley's first win as a Premier League manager. Let's give him a round of applause. Uh, I like how he did it the American way. Like, entertain the masses, uh, forget about defense for a while. Yeah, no, uh, there was no defense in this game. And just hope and pray that you come out. Like, like what? obviously, like, this is the American way, but not definitely not the American soccer way because the American soccer way is defend, 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 hit him on the counter, maybe score on a few set pieces, definitely defend your set pieces, and there was no set piece defending in this game. No. No, it, it was amazing to see if you're just watching and, you know, enjoying some lunch or whatever. This was amazing, an amazing game. Saha scored I mean, after 19 minutes. Sigurdsson, of course, scored for for Swansea. And then it, in the second half, everything just, yeah. I mean, they weren't, they weren't necessarily the most beautiful highlight real goals you'll ever no. see. But, you know, Passion. when, like, this many lead changes in a match, it's, we'll, we'll never see that again this season. 
know. No. No, it, it, I mean <laughs> Oh just, god, I hope you're wrong about that. Uh, I hope just, so uh, I hope so too, but it's un you know, it's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, the range of emotions for Bob Bradley. Well, you go down didn't, early. Uh, didn't we get a lot of lead changes in that Norwich uh Liverpool match earlier this year? Yeah, but not three. Wait, Norwich? No, I hope not. Yeah. Earlier this year, Seb, like in January when oh. it was a different season. Okay, okay. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, we might have. Yeah, but I mean, another nine-goal match with the winner coming in stoppage time. That's uh, it was it, it was it was fantastic. I mean, even <laughs> I was even thrilled just watching the scoreline update in the corner of the Liverpool game. Like, oh my god, they blew it three-one. It's draw. Oh my gosh, Palace are winning. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, was it was crazy. Swansea had a three-one lead in the 68th minute after two goals by Leroy Fair. Uh, then Palace came storming back, 4-3 lead, 84th minute, and then two goals by Fernando Llorente in stoppage time. I mean, yeah. It, it was something to see, and congrats to Bob Bradley. It was awesome. I mean, yeah. there's yeah, no it's, doubt. They're, it's, they're still, they're, I, I, I mean, just, they're, I still, they're still more. in the relegation zone, though. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're a... You, you got to take you got to take a lot of joy from this game if you're a Swansea supporter, just because that's like these the, these are the things that we hope for when we watch sports in general, and especially if you're having a crappy season, then you know you, you got to take joy from that. If you can't, then you should probably get out of the business of being a football fan in general. Yes, and I mean with the parity, we've spoken about this a lot with the parity in the league right now too. It's it's so the margin of error is so slim here because Swansea, yes, they're second to last with nine points, but let's say they win their next game, uh, depending on goal differential, of course. But I mean, they could go as high as fifteenth if everything goes their way. Yeah. So. Um, okay, just for reference, that Norwich Liverpool game, Liverpool went up one nil, Norwich went up three one, then Liverpool went up four three, and then in the 92nd minute, Norwich tied it, and then in the 95th minute, Liverpool won it. Okay, so the comparable number of uh, draws and lead changes then. Yeah, comparable number of draws, not as many lead changes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, but this is like this is what you want. This is what the Premier League needs more of. We have too many managers who are so pragmatic and want to suck the life out of a game and figure that their best way to points is play defense, you know, don't concede any goals and pick up draws and, and maybe maybe a few times we'll 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 score twice and we'll get a two one or a two nil win. Like go back to the days where, you know, you might win three two or four one or and you might lose five four. Those are the fun games. That's yeah. you know I missed this game because I was watching Dortmund in the Bundesliga absolutely suck, but I was doing that because I wanted to see goals and I want you know Liverpool weren't scoring against goddamn Sunderland. Like I wanted to see two teams that were going to go out and attack each other. And it just so happened to be that that game took place in England, but usually <laughs> it takes place in Germany. Yes. Yes. Mm. That is true. There were some goals between Leicester and Middlesbrough that ended in a 2-2 draw. Oh boy, and that that nearly had the goal of the weekend cuz uh Shinji Okazaki just barely missed an overhead kick that went off the crossbar. Mhm. Yeah, Leicester scored twice from uh, the penalty spot in this one. 
Oh, that one ended 2-2? Two -two? Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought it was 1-1. One -one. Nope. Uh, Alvaro Negredo. I thought we were giving him some flack ahead of the weekend here, but he scored twice. We were giving him flack. Yeah. Because he deserves it. Yeah. His first his first goal was a little bit lucky, but his second one was very well taken, I thought. I mean, it, didn't he didn't he sign for City once at one point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like, the guy should be a decent striker who knows how to play the game. He doesn't, yeah. though. Well, I think yeah. I mean, his scoring record wasn't too bad when he was at City. I got to look this up now. Right, so that's 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 the point. Is that yeah. he should have been able to do something, but uh, he seems disinterested at Middlesbrough. He had twenty three goals in forty eight appearances for City. That's not bad. No, I mean it's you know it's not fantastic, but and obviously <laughs> City have a striker who is fantastic. But right, that's why I always find it funny that like whenever somebody scores a bunch of goals in one season, City rush to sign him, even though it's like you have Sergio Aguero. Yeah, what do you need this guy for? Yeah, it's the revolving door of Aguero's backup. Yeah. And why do these guys keep signing for City? Like, oh, I had a great year last year. I scored 18 goals, and Manchester City want me. That's because obviously here's a whatever bag they of money. tell me is true, and I'm yeah, not going to play. Exactly. Here's a bag of money. Like, uh, oh, you're how much? How much are you on? You're making 50, 50,000 euros a week. How would you like 120,000 pounds a week? Exactly. God, you just think that that's not a sustainable model. Yeah, but I mean everything. Everything about. Negredo's goal was second goal was excellent. Like the timing of his run, the first touch on the ball, and the finish were all you know all top class. So, um, I he he looks to me like a a player who is of a certain class, but I don't think that he's ever going to really be in the conversation of the best striker in the Premier League. But oh, I know. can't wait to hear what Arsenal player you throw out there, <laughs> Alexis Sanchez. Uh, but I, I mean, you know, I think that he will he will be an extremely valuable asset as Middlesbrough tries to fight to avoid the drop. If he stays interested, his problem is he just checks out of games. Yeah. Well, and also then you have the conversation of if a player is wont to do that, how much is avoiding relegation going to be a real carrot at the end of the stick? Mm -hmm. uh, and how easy is it going to be to kind of fall into that sort of apathy? Yep. Yeah, and they got Christian Stuani too. He he's got some goals in him. Uh, Liverpool they took a two nothing win over Sunderland. Uh, left it late though. Divock Origi with the opening goal in the seventy fifth minute, and then James Milner from the penalty spot in the ninety first. Um, a lot of penalties this weekend. Yep. But yeah, Liverpool they stay second. They are. Um, Ahead of Manchester City on goal differential. Uh, they got well, plus 18. City's got plus 17. So, I mean, yeah. I did wow. not watch the Liverpool game as I was focusing on Swansea and Crystal Palace. Uh, Elliot, you caught part of this Liverpool game? Yeah, I saw most of it. I mean, I think... I. Well, for, so first of all, the three points will be very welcome, but... Coutinho's injury looked bad. Yeah, I think that that's that's the uh, going to be the biggest takeaway for Liverpool in this match. And I also think that Sunderland, you know, they were they were right in this game and they had a chance to take the lead too, and they blew it and they blew it because they look like garbage and they're doomed to relegation. And I think that we've all already agreed that. But it's 
it's got to be so frustrating for the Sunderland supporters because they had a great chance to nick at least a point, if not at least, you know, go up 1-0 in a game that Liverpool looks like not the six-goal thriller, but the totally flat team that they can sometimes run out as, which we've also talked about a lot on this show. And I think that it was truly a missed opportunity for Sunderland. Liverpool are lucky to take all three points, but really the loss of Coutinho. And it's especially frustrating, you know, considering the fact that he not only had a good outing on international duty, but made it back without injury, that then, you know, now here we are in the Premier League and he goes off on the stretcher holding his face in his hands. I mean, he he knew he knew that this was bad news. Yeah, he got he was taken. Yeah, he got carried off on a stretcher. He's um, supposed to have a scan on his ankle sometime today here, Monday. So we'll have to wait and see the results of that. And Stella is weighing in on this game. Hi, as well. Stella. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, at least they they got the win there. If they would have dropped points and Coutinho would have gone down, it would have been a very very bad day for Liverpool. Chelsea they came out victorious in the London derby against Tottenham. They turned a one nothing deficit into a two to one win after goals by Pedro and Victor Moses. Boy, the the well the both the Christian Eriksen and the Pedro goals were about as good as you'll see. Uh, they were just gorgeous. Yeah, Christian Eriksen gave them the lead in the eleventh minute. Then Pedro came back right before halftime with the goal, and then Moses scored in the fifth. And that was the game changer. Yep. Yeah. If Tottenham gets to the half up one nil, they they could get something out of this game, mm-hmm. and somehow that Pedro goal just sucked the wind out of them, and they never recovered. But again, they also weren't looking like scoring because that's just not something that they've done this season. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and case in point, it's like a little bit of magic from Christian Eriksen, hoping you know, trying to cling into going in the half. Up one nil, but uh, an equally beautiful goal from Pedro. God, that turn was just fantastic that he took before taking that shot, and then the shot was of equal quality. So, um, and and again, especially in the fact that I think you're right that they were just trying to make it to the halftime whistle, and then when uh, you're deflated by a goal of equally excellent quality right on 45 minutes, that's that's a lot of wind out of your sails when you're playing away to a rival. Mm-hmm. So, and especially at an Oak Stadium where you've got a lot of ghosts. Yes. Yeah, so Chelsea stay top with that one one point ahead of Liverpool and City. But it, it drops it drops Tottenham down to fifth. And yeah. congratulations to Arsenal for finishing in the top four this year because the top four is set now. <laughs> like These four teams, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, that's your top four. I promise you that. And it's not because... It's not because uh, it's a four-point gap between them and Tottenham and an eight-point gap between them and sixth place, um, whatever team is down there. It's because because four points, I mean, that could go away next week. Tottenham can win, Arsenal can lose, and boom, it's one point. The top four teams are going to drop points less consistently uh, than the rest of the league will. And I just I don't see any of the teams that are below Arsenal in the table getting enough consistency to run up and overtake one of these top four teams who aren't who are going to drop points, but not enough of them to really fall out of the table. Yeah. So congratulations, Elliot, in Arsene Wenger's last year, you will get another top the four champ- trophy. The Champions League <laughs> once again. 
I mean, I could see Tottenham getting things together, especially when they won't have to worry about the Champions League. Yeah, it's hard to say that though because Arsenal didn't Arsenal this year. So unless they're going to Arsenal later in the year, they're like they navigated the rough waters and yeah, <laughs> they're keeping their heads above the water. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Um, I mean, I I I generally agree with you. I mean, I think that these are the top four teams that are going to be challenging for the title, and I also think that realistically, it's those top two, three teams that are going to have the best chance. I mean, obviously, I... And you're three points back. I'm, I'm not I'm not counting Arsenal out of it, but we've got, you know, we've got a lot of issues in this this game. Well, well I'll, I'll wait till we actually get to the Arsenal match. <laughs> well, let's get to the Arsenal match. We'll... All right, here we go. Yeah, three to one win over Bournemouth. Alexis Sanchez scored twice, which I was happy about as I had him as my captain in my fantasy team this week. And Theo Walcott also got on the score sheet. Yeah. I mean, and the Alexis Sanchez's first goal was just totally a gift, but, you know, it was well taken nonetheless. But Bournemouth had chances throughout this match. And I, I think that we're a little bit lucky to get let off at a couple different points. Um, now, granted, our our second goal was totally, even if it was deflected up into the air, a thing of beauty um, from... Monreal's cross back into Walcott and also the individual skill that uh, Mesut Ertzel had to set it up to begin with. Um, I I also think that Bournemouth's penalty was a little soft. You know, the two players kind of bundled into one another, and I, I understand why the referee gave it, because, yeah, Monreal kind of took him out of the play, but I, I think it was really six on one, half a dozen on the other. Um, but this this game was closer than the scoreline suggests. You know, my friend Phil texted me not having woken up to see the game. He was like, hey, it looks like we got a solid 3-1 win. I'm like, yeah, we did. But also, yeah, Bournemouth were just... right up until the very end. Like, and Bournemouth should have gotten end. an equalizer with like three minutes to go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, this is the kind of performance where, you know, on the one hand, you're like, oh, well, th- they cemented their title credentials by holding on and winning a game against opposition that they should beat, even though they almost lost it. Like, well, yeah, but it, a little bit better finishing, and then it's a draw. <laughs> and uh, it's... Arsenal have issues yet to figure out. But, that, I mean, one thing that I have to say also for this game, even though he's not going to take the job away from Hector Bellerin when Bellerin's fit, but you've got to feel really bad for Mathieu Debuchy. Because he's starting his first Premier League game in over in a, a year, year. Yeah. In, in, yeah, over a year, and he goes off injured in like ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I, I, I like watching his face as Monreal tries to console him, and he's just he's inconsolable. He's just like, no, no, screw this. Yeah, he's had a lot of troubles with injuries. Oh yeah. But here's here's my concern: is we sit, we do the thing, we do that song and dance every week now, where it's. Oh, these, this is the game that cements Arsenal's title credentials because they they dug deep and they managed to pull out a win this week. That shouldn't be happening after every yeah. after every week. <laughs> like there, you should be winning games. Uh, you should be cruising to wins in most of these games, and then yeah, you're gonna come up with a game at Burnley or just somebody else comes in and you know you you had to deal with the Champions League and somebody gives you a fight that you weren't expecting. 
And that's the game where you have to dig deep and pull out a win. But it shouldn't be happening every week. Hey, we did we did cruise to a comfortable win against Sunderland. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> uh, you know, that was, what, three weeks ago. But still, I'll take it. Right. It, I just, it, it's happening a little bit too often that, you know, eventually it's almost like eventually those goals are going to stop happening if you rely on them every week. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I think that. I mean, I think that our trip to West Ham next weekend is going to be uh, like that. Like that is that's a game in which you can say, okay, can you really cement your title credentials against a team that's both struggled at home, but also definitely has more quality than Bournemouth? And you know, if we can we can really do something there, then that'll be telling. But we'll see. So, what do you like? about Alexis Sanchez's play? Because, I mean, he's been starting as the central striker for most of the season, keeping Giroud on the bench and Walcott on the wing. You happy with that? Yes and no. I mean, I think that he's... I mean, he's more effective when he's not playing as kind of a true number nine. Um, And I think that he's most effective when he's kind of cutting in um, from the flank into more central positions. But... I mean, you know, his industry is absolutely unparalleled. Like, he works harder than anyone else on the pitch, both in possession and when Arsenal are on defense. And and I think that that kind of work rate is unteachable, and it's thrilling. Granted, it's also a little disconcerting when you think about the fact that he's going to have... I mean, he could potentially have six consecutive off seasons with competitive international matches and he works just as hard if not you know more cynical arsenal fans would say harder for chile and i'm i'm a little bit worried about him running himself into the ground and i think wenger knows that he has to manage the player because of alexis's you know work rate but he's he's just amazing you know just his his commitment to tracking back in defense is something that I think that I think actually Theo Walcott has probably learned from in terms of looking like a new player this season who actually is switched on most of the time in the match. But yeah, I mean Alexis Sanchez is uh, he's just a, a dream, and I think that he and Ertzel so much of the time when you see us going forward, even if there are two other players in attack those are the two who are really combining and the others are almost just dummies most of the time because they know each other very well at this point and they're the two most talented players on the pitch and they both want to show it and frequently enough they make that happen Stoke they took a one nothing win on the road against Watford uh, they're in up in 11th place now what do we have to say about this one Stouk. Stouk. Got the win. Uh, it was ugly. Yeah. yeah. As ugly as you would expect a Stoke-Watford game to be. Yeah. Yeah. Total of four shots on target in this one. One for Stoke, three for Watford. Yeah. Uh, just for any Arsenal fans out there, or Elliot, a shot on target is when you shoot and the ball might actually go in, if not for... <laughs> things in the way blocking it. So you're four saying, of them... You're saying this after they won 3-1. For most teams, four shots on target is not a lot. For Arsenal, that's probably like four times the amount that you usually get. They had four shots on goal against Bournemouth. Three of them went in. Yeah. 
That's yeah. it. You only took I've... four shots on target against Bournemouth. Yep. <laughs> That kind of that kind of makes my joke work. Yeah, I mean that. Well, yeah, that's that's fine. But I care more about goals, <laughs> so I'll take it. Uh, and also, technically, you know, we did. There, there's one that uh, will not be included in that, in which Alexis Sanchez hit the woodwork, and if it had been three inches lower, it would have been an unsavable, beautiful shot. Yeah, but, I still don't like the fact that that's not counted as a shot. On yeah, goal. I I agree, especially because. Why? Yeah. Why? Wait, is it on target? If nobody touches that shot, does it go in? No. <laughs> it's not on target. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it's the, that on is the, the actual goal post. Yeah, well, it's oh. funny, though, because the synonym that people frequently use is how many shots on frame, and that's literally a shot on frame. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I've actually never heard someone say shots on frame. I've heard in, really? in hockey, I've heard shots on goal. In soccer, I've heard shots on target. And if you're watching um, – the U.S. team on Fox, I've heard shots on goal there also. But either way, the term is defined as a shot where if nothing was in its way, it would go into the goal. And if nothing is in its way and it hits the post, it's still not going into the goal. Therefore, it is not on goal or on target. But what if what if it goes off the goalkeeper's glove and then onto the post? And it would have gone that's, in if the goalkeeper wasn't there. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a shot that, on target. That's a shot yeah. on target. But but I also it's funny to me though just because it's so much more subjective to say like oh okay well he took a shot at the edge of the penalty area and then a defender slid in and blocked it like well was it was it going to be on target I don't know was it was it, it eh, whatever in any case Arsenal had three goals if they only had three shots on target and they still scored three goals I'd be happy yep mm, one team that had. Eight shots I on, don't understand on goal. how they managed to like yes. call shots on target on target when they're blocked by like defenders, because like those those things can swerve and miss and yeah, that's what I was just really, saying. You don't really know if it's going to be on target. Like in hockey, it's only a shot on goal if the goalie makes the save. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, one team had eight shots on goal. The other one had four. It ended in a one-one draw. It's Manchester United against West Ham. Um, yeah, Diafrasako gave West Ham the early lead, and then Slatan tied things up for United. Yeah, and the then Bucks. the uh, the West Ham fans serenaded Jose Mourinho by screaming, "You're not special anymore!" And it was like, um, "Earth to West Ham." <laughs> that news that's has like, been out. That's old news. <laughs> yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. Mourinho got sent off after kicking a water bottle. It was a light sending off. It was and very, it, very light. It should have helped United because they should be better when they don't have a manager that's weighing them down. And, of course, even then they still couldn't get anything done. Yeah. Uh, but this was just – and I tweeted this yesterday. It's just a sign – the ultimate sign that Mourinho can't adapt to modern times or modern cultures or just – modern society the fact that he hasn't been able to evolve or adapt at all is the fact that when he gets banished from the touchline he doesn't call the bench which we used to see when sir alex ferguson was sent to the stands there's a phone in that director's box that you could call the bench he doesn't text his coaches he passes notes as if he was like a fourth grade kid like dude 
Things have changed since you, like, in the last 20 years. Like, get with the times. Yeah, tweet the assistant. It's, like, do something, and he passes notes, and it's like, oh, well, that makes sense because you still live in a day where it's, like, 2003, and your tactics still reflect that. Yeah. I I don't think that it was a soft sending off. I mean, I think that, like, if you throw a water bottle down. Get the water bottle. It was no, on no. the floor. Like it's not like he grabbed something, put it on the floor, and kicked it. Like it was just on the floor. Well, he no, kicked. but here's the here's the thing: is that if it, you know, if you throw a water bottle down in the technical area, that's fine. But you're sending it way out of the technical area, and I think that's the issue. You know, I mean, it's similar to to draw a parallel from football when uh, Jim Harbaugh lost his cool and threw the clipboard. He doesn't get a penalty for throwing a clipboard he gets a penalty for the clipboard landing in the field of play and i, I think that this is a similar situation did you know, the, i mean i, th- I think the water bottle land that, on the field of play i mean you kicked it out of the technical area you know whether so or not what if you just kicked it further down the touchline yeah i don't know i i don't think that it was that soft of uh uh, uh sending off to be honest and also i, I mean again, i don't mind you, it i just I, I i'm just like really you got sent off for kicking a water bottle like no i think the it's a little bit of hypocrisy there too, because Mourinho got a lot of flack for, all, for this. Uh, I think if it would have been Jurgen Klopp or Antonio Conte, everyone, everyone would be like, "Oh, they're so fiery and passionate." Blah blah blah. Exactly. But because it's Mourinho, everyone's like, "Oh, he's a douchebag." Yeah. So. Um, I mean, he is. Yeah. He I'm is. not gonna. I'm not gonna argue that. <laughs> he is. He's a terrible manager. Um. There's a part of me is even like relishing the fact that like all these bad records are being set right now. And his name, like one day, like the club is going to be like, Hey, we went, we went 36 years without drawing four straight games at home. Like guess who the manager that, that did that was Jose Mourinho or guess who the manager that ended this streak was Jose Mourinho. Guess who the manager that ended this streak was. And it all comes down to your tactics, dumbass. Like you're not taking advantage of, of our home field which is something that Alex Ferguson said, that's what we have to do. And Louis Van Hall didn't do it either. And that's why we struggled. But to turn, to turn Old Trafford into a fortress of 1-1 draws is just, oh, it's sad. Yeah. So it's, they... sad. it's how long does, does upper management have to take to realize this? Because they said, this, they, they said the stats during the broadcast in, in Jose Mourinho's five full seasons of being a Premier League manager, which – Astonishing that he's only been a Premier League manager for five full seasons. That's kind of astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever he is after after twelve games, that's his final position. Oof. So, uh, I yeah, sixth place seems about right, except for the fact that Everton and Watford are right on our ass. Yeah, and I is he is worse than Van Hal and Moyes at this point. And he has a way better team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they're in sixth place. They got twenty points. They're eleven points behind Chelsea already. Um, oh my god! And they play Everton next week. Like that's who wants to win that game? Yeah. Um, FA is reviewing the footage of Mourinho kicking the water bottle, and they're waiting for the referee's match report, uh, and then see what's going to happen there. But he could face up to a uh, two-game touchline ban. Okay. Here or no? Here no. Sorry. I'll... Sorry. Stadium ban. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Here, That's awesome. Here, you can't pass notes from outside the stadium. And no. the last Snapchat. time that he was on the, that he was out of the touchline, the last time he was off the touchline, we had one of our best performances of the season, including from your boy. Yeah. So 
Well, I think I think that on the one hand, I agree with you that it might be a blessing in disguise, although a thinly veiled disguise, considering what we've seen already, if Mourinho isn't allowed back. But as much as I think that, yeah, it's fine for him to get sent up into the stands for that, if he's handed a two-match ban for it, I think that's coming down way too harsh. Like, you can say, yeah, get out of the technical area. I'm not going to stand for that. But then pretending like that's you know, violent conduct or abusing an official or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I hope they leave him in the Ukraine next week when they go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and they're going to um, win this week. They're, they're playing West Ham in the, in the, in the uh, Carling cup quarterfinal. EFL cup. Uh, still a Carling cup to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm corporate oil. I'm just loyal to cheap. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're going to win that and good for them. Like, please win that. Like I'm, that's I'm, their best I'm shot still, at a title. I'm still pro winning trophies, even though it'll be Jose Mourinho will have success. But like you know, we're still a club that should be winning trophies. So let's win trophies so that we, even during the dark times of of this club's history, because we are quickly plunging back into the dark times. If we're not already there, we'll still win trophies. But at this point, forget about the league. Finish tenth in the league. I don't care. But Put all your eggs in the Europa League basket at this point. And the EFL Cup. Yeah. What's I mean, do you really if we if we put out our best team in the Europa League, are there really teams that are that much better than us? Because like we've actually been playing well in the Europa League. Um I mean there's, there's some if... teams coming over from the Champions League that I think yeah. could do some damage. If not Sevilla though, po- not Sevilla. Yeah. I mean, if Tottenham gets poisoned chalice and uh, don't crash out entirely, but do have to play in the Europa League. That'll be that'll be a little interesting. But I, I, I mean, you'll have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You'll have Paul Pogba. You'll put your eggs into. I mean, even Wayne Rooney is scoring in the Europa League. So just put your put your eggs in the Europa League basket. Finish tenth in the league if you have to. Play in the Champions League next year by winning the Europa League. Because that's your best bet. You are not gonna, you are not going to climb out of this rut that you're in and manage to finish in the top four. Mainly because Mourinho hasn't made the changes or put the team on the field that's capable of doing that. Hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, they take on West Ham at Old Trafford again in the EFL Cup on Wednesday. Oh. Without Pogba, he's suspended. Yeah. What? Hmm? You got suspended. Is Carrick <laughs> back? Hmm? Is Carrick back? Carrick will, might... will Carrick be back on Wednesday? Probably. Yeah, Pogba picked up his fifth booking of the season, so he'll miss that game. I'd almost rather him miss a Premier League game at this point. Yeah. <laughs> did you Did you think that that, was a, that actually was a dive? I didn't see it. I only saw it in you know live action and i at first i thought it was a foul and i came back and was like oh he i mean they were all saying they were all saying like oh he's just trying to avoid contact and i was like yeah well if you're gonna avoid contact don't like go flying to the ground arms up legs out and make it look like a dive yeah you can you can avoid contact without ending up on your belly and like looking up at the referee plaintively (laughs) right and immediately pointing like so if if you were just trying to avoid contact, there are better ways to do that. Yeah. Um, all right, so Pog was out, Carrick's probably out. You know who's going to return? You know, you know who might start this game? Who? 
that German midfielder that we got. <laughs> Schweiny. Break in, in case of emergency, break glass. Oh, <laughs> that would be. I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, he was totally. on the bench. He was on the bench last game. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, yeah, moving on to the last game of the weekend, Southampton took a one nothing win over Everton after a goal by Charlie Austin, forty one seconds in. Oh, it was only 41 seconds? 41 seconds in. I, yeah, I, I heard, heard Charlie Austin. He, he had their audio mixed up. Yeah, Charlie Austin so won the game against Lukaku. Boom. <laughs> the matchup of Titans. Yes. Austin comes away. Well, as I said, this one, <laughs> you guys were all ready to, like, split the points in this. Everton are have been terrible recently. I think they've they are, won is, win in the last five. One yeah. win in their last five. They've been terror. They've been so bad. I'm like, here's the diff- Here's what we say about Everton. They are so bad. They're terrible. We say Manchester United has been struggling or in a rut. I mean, United's one point above Everton in the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, United. They've sort of been, you know, skimpering along with all the draws. Everton. They got three losses, one win, one draw in the last five. Yeah, but United are getting home draws. I mean, you can't do that. No, home draws are never good. Mm-mm-mm. So, yeah, Charlie Austin. Boom. Well, Ronald Coleman is now worried about Everton's performances, as you should be, dude. Like, yeah. There's something wrong here, something wrong in the team. And yeah. what is it? Is it – I mean, yeah, a lot of it is – you built your team around uh, Ross Barkley, who just isn't turning out to be the player that Everton or England thought he would be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, you know, that happens. So that's not exactly your fault. It's just that happens. And when it happens, oh, it, it's ugly for the team. Yeah, but it's, it, like dra- it's like drafting the wrong quarterback. Yeah. But, I mean, looking at that back line, too, you know, yeah, same as Coleman. I think he's pretty good. But then you got Yagielka, Ashley Williams. Yeah, Williams, he's all right. Yagielka, nah. And then Leighton Baines. I mean, after all his injuries, he's just not the same player anymore. Well, all right, but like, let's let's also just go over that. Is yes. you have Seamus Coleman, who, yeah, I think he's a good player too. But you know what? I also thought that eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Ashley Williams, he's a good player. He just came over from Swansea. Yeah. Uh, Phil Jagielka. He's a good player, no. but I also thought that eight years ago. Wait, in Baines, a good player anymore. A good player eight years ago. That's the problem. Is it's the same problem with United. They decided to let's solve our striker issues by getting older. And when all right, so we have an old guy. Let's rotate in a different guy who's also old. Like, why is everybody trying? You can't try to get. You got to get younger at a certain point. And um, Everton's defense is just—it's getting old and it's—it's it's breaking down and. Uh, you know, you the first marble fell last year when you lost Tim Howard, and that should have been like the time to be like, okay, let's it's time for a new era. And you know, because Howard played behind Baines and Jagielka and um and Coleman, that was and, or Tony Hibbert. Like, I mean, he did that for ages. So once one goes, that should have been your time to look at everything and be like, maybe we should should swap out everything. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me though if they actually made. A couple of moves here in January. Kuman, really? It's, Kuman, talking about yeah, but with Kuman in, I think that he's going to handpick a couple of players. 
but to see, I read the, um, I read an article yesterday, and it was, it was actually kind of interesting about how, about Everton and Southampton and the attitude of both clubs about how Southampton are a selling club and they willingly accept it. You know, mm-hmm. they promote themselves as a stepping stone, and the fact, and it's actually the fact that they willingly will sell you. Like if you come to Southampton and become a really good player after two years and you want to leave, they will sell you. Yeah. Um, Everton, on the other hand, they see themselves as a final destination, which is still absurd that you could live with that kind of mindset mm-hmm. in in England. I mean, unless you're getting paid the money that Manchester City is paying you and you really have no interest in leaving, I don't think there is a final destination club in England. I mean, United lose players to real. Back when we had good players, we lost them to Real Madrid all the time. And we were the most successful club in England. Everton still see themselves that way, and it shows. I mean, the players we just mentioned, Coleman, Jagielka, Leighton Baines, they're there forever. Uh, Leon Osmond was there forever. Tony Hibbert was there forever. The players that go there, they end up there forever. When you when Everton want to sell them, they or when, when teams want to buy them, Everton drag their feet and like they don't sell them. It was... At the end of Mikel Arteta's career, it was like, we'll do you a favor and we'll get rid of you. Fellaini got sold because Roberto Martinez didn't want him. Mm-hmm. And it makes it harder for Everton to buy players because players are going to willing if, – if Everton and Southampton are in for a player, like, Southampton is going to get that player because the player knows if I play well there, I'm going to get a big contract from somewhere else and they're going to make it easy for me to do that. So it is – it is interesting, and just the fact that Southampton's model is built on we're Academy. always looking we're always looking for a replacement. Like Southampton isn't worried; they're not sitting around going, "Who do we need to replace right now?" All eleven starters that they have right now, they are looking for replacements already because it's almost inevitable well, that they're going to walk they, out but, the door. But the biggest key is that they're looking for replacements in one of the best youth academies in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, they right? have yeah. that youth academy. For this model, yes, exactly. That's I mean, and, that's what I'm. That's what makes it sustainable, right? And yeah, eventually, eventually, you're going to replace players like Sadio Mane with not as good players, and you're going to fall on the table. And they have this year. You know, they're not hovering around fifth or sixth; they're in tenth. But that's totally fine for the model that they want to do. Everton, though, like where are their replacements coming from? Because your your replacements are never breaking into the team because your players are there forever. Yeah, and I mean, looking at what they did, too, over the summer, I mean, they brought in Idrissa Gouye from Aston Villa. Um, I don't remember the exact, you know, amount, but it wasn't cheap, that's for sure. Whereas Southampton goes in and gets Pierre-Emile Hubier from Bayern Munich. And Virgil van Tilk and... Uh... The only player that's been at Southampton forever is Jose Font. I'm surprised they haven't got sold him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's getting up there in age two now, right? He is. He's old, so yeah, 32. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure Jose Mourinho would love him <laughs> because he's old, not young. I mean, it, it's just think about this: when Jose Mourinho inevitably does get shown the door at United, uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, because he's only setting the team back by years. I mean, has anybody? been added to the list of 50 players that Mourinho's given their debut his debut to this year nobody hmm. yep well that's it 
that's all the stuff we got for match day 13. Uh, let's look at the other games real quick in the EFL Cup. Um, Tuesday, Liverpool against Leeds. Do you think Leeds can do some damage at Anfield, or it's going to be a no. No. cakewalk? No, it'll be a cakewalk, as, and it's a great game for Liverpool to try to figure out you know, who's going to be the new Coutinho. Mm. Mm. Then we got Hull against Newcastle. Oh, God, that's that's rough. <laughs> How so? Newcastle, they're first in the championship. Good, let them beat Hull. Yeah, I, I would definitely rather put my money on Newcastle on that one. And then on Wednesday, Arsenal Southampton. Why? Why is Man U kicking off fifteen minutes later than? Uh, that's just the way they do it. For some reason, all the games start at like two forty-five, except for like one of them, which will start yeah. at at three. Which one is on TV? United or Arsenal? Oh God, I don't even. It's it's the the weird what is it be in sports that has the yeah, right? So you only get one game, and uh, Arsenal are the better team, but United are the bigger draw. So. Oh yeah, it says be in sports connect, which I imagine is their uh, uh, web sorry. service. So probably United. Be in sports a... event. That sounds weird. It is. The United game because it starts later because prior to that we have Real Madrid in some Copa del Rey soccer. And then United West Ham. Hmm. So, okay. And then they're showing the Arsenal game right after that. Correct. Yeah. Hmm? Nice little triple header of action on... <laughs> on... Saturday, on Wednesday, featuring two of the world's biggest teams and Manchester United. Ooh. Ouch. Oh. Elliot thought I was going to go a different direction. Yeah. I thought <laughs> yeah. we were going to go a different direction, too. Um, okay, final thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, Elliot, we're going to start with you. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, my final thought is that I just my I, I said it earlier, but my heart really goes out to Matthew Debushi because I think that his Arsenal career is probably over because, you know, even if he comes back from injury, more likely than not, Bellerin will be ahead of him in the pecking order. And who knows, maybe we even sign a defender because I think that it's pretty clear that Jenkinson and Gibbs are a long way off the quality of Monreal and Bellerin at this point. So, sorry, buddy. Maybe you want to go back to Newcastle. They look like they're on their way back up to the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we spoke a little bit earlier about Virgin van Dijk in Southampton, and uh, news coming out of Manchester Evening News is that City are looking at van Dijk as a replacement for company. I think that would be a pretty smart move. Bring in Van Dijk and then sell off company to China or the United States, whatever. It's pretty clear that he's not going to be able to stay fit long enough to actually help this team. Yeah. Well, United are going to the new player every day. I can't even keep up with it. Um, mine is just, you know, watch the MLS playoffs this week. It should be good for a few 
cool things and a few laughs and probably a lot of laughs. Um, like I'm laughing at the fact that the MLS had both their first legs of the semifinals on the same day and then decided to play one of them, bury it during a football Sunday and then play the other one on Wednesday. I mean, what's up with that? But that's your, that's your wacky league. Maybe the lines will be painted on the field correctly this time. Ooh, yeah, that was, so <laughs> that was so, so bad. Uh, all, what else should we say? Oh, they, yeah, they had the draw for the Confederations Cup. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. So we got Group A, Russia, New Zealand, Portugal, Mexico. Group B, the African champion, to be determined, Chile, Australia, and Germany. Best tournament in the world features the best teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I don't even know why they play that. It's the only tournament that's not a stepping stone for something. And they probably won't play it in four years because uh, they don't know when to play it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they can't do that during the summer. They can't do it during the summer and they can't do it during the winter. Mm. Although I did read somewhere that they might just do it during the summer in Asia somewhere. See, that's another problem. If you can't... Oh, God. Okay, let's not get into that because you guys got to go. <laughs> you need the tournament, Seb. You need the tournament. It's the only one that's not a stepping stone. All right? Well, I'm more thinking about the fact that Qatar should not have the World Cup if you can't play it in okay, the summer. Okay, yeah, but that's... We understand that, but that's a six-year-old problem. Yeah. God. It still pisses me off, though. Uh, yeah, we'll see how things shake out in Russia. It might be a good indicator of how... How good or how bad it's going to get. So They'll they'll save the real hooliganism for uh, (laughs) the Uh, Guys, let's only do 75% right now, okay? These are called training exercises. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, with that, we'll sign off. We'll talk to you again later in the week. Uh, We'll round up the EFL Cup quarterfinals, and we'll take a look at match day 14. Until then, follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Polly is P. Christel WFAN. And Elliot is Keats was better. And then make sure to follow FanRag Sports as well. Until next time, have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you.